0: Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You ever heard of the book, The Worst Case Scenario Survival Book? It's a a pretty cool book. It's basically a manual on interviews that they did with experts in a variety of fields, and it has little chapters of how to handle little-known dangers. Like, how do you escape from quicksand? How do you jump out of a building into a dumpster? How do you perform an emergency tracheotomy? Some of the advice is pretty predictable. Like number one, like how to deal with a charging bull. Rule number one about charging bulls, do not antagonize the bull. Sometimes the the advice is a little more demanding, like how to survive if your parachute fails to open. The first thing you do is to signal your jump partner It doesn't say what to do if you don't have a jump partner or he already deployed his chute and you're going looking up at him going, well, (laughs) bye. Here's a little test for your survival skills. What should you do if you're confronted by an angry mountain lion? A, run. B, play dead. C, make yourself look bigger by opening up your jacket. Or D, sing to it. What do you think? C. C. Yeah, it's C. The correct answer in the worst case scenario survival book is C. Make yourself look bigger than he wants to eat. And then he'll pass because they're like, oh, that's that's a lot of that's, that's a lot of fattening food there. I don't want that. And and the the lion will just go on his own way. The principle behind the book is very simple, really. You just never know. You really never know what life is gonna throw at you, so you might as well prepare early so that you'll be prepared for when the the situation erupts. Reverend Campbell Morgan used to say, To me, the second coming is the perpetual light upon the path, which makes the present bearable. I never lay my head on the pillow without thinking that maybe before the morning breaks, the final morning will have dawned. Our text for this morning comes from Romans chapter 13. Starting in verse 11, which we did not read. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake up from your sleep. For salvation is near to us when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarreling or jealousy, but rather let us put on Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Years ago, I heard about an old farmer who had had an old grandfather clock that had gone haywire. One night, late at night, it struck midnight, but it didn't strike Twelve times, it struck 14 times. This alarmed the farmer quite a bit, and he woke up his his spouse. Nellie, wake up. Nellie, Nellie, wake up, wake up. It's later now than it's ever been before. (laughs) It's 14 in the night. To a certain state, it's true. It's later now than it has ever been. Romans 13, verse 11, know the time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your sleep, for salvation is nearer to us than when we first believe. Salvation here used in reference to the great and the final deliverance that is being offered by our Lord Jesus Christ, our transfer into the heavenly kingdom. And year after year, day after day, month after month, hour after hour, that day draws nearer and nearer unto us. Paul tells us to wake from our slumber. The morning is here. Sleep is a figurative of anything resembling delay. It's high time that we wake up, says Paul. Do You ever have problems getting up in the morning? Being my 8 o'clock crowd, I think that's probably the answer is no. Y'all have probably been up for hours. There's a couple of reasons why sometimes people have problems getting up in the morning. Number one problem of getting up in the morning is a late night. I've had a hard time of getting up in the morning if you've had a late night. Now, the reasons for late nights can be good and it can be bad as well. A child may have woken you up, fearful of the dragon living outside their window, or crocodiles under the bed, or wolves out in the closets. There's other things. You could have been up late reading. You could be up late binging on Netflix. But there's also bad reasons for being up late carousing and drunkenness, the pursuit of sexual immoralities and debauchery. Some have had a restless guilt of the days and dissensions and jealousies. Another reason you might have problems getting up early in the morning light is that you have nothing to do the next day. I have that problem on Mondays every once in a while. Monday's my day off. It's my one day where I can truly just sleep in as long as I want. Stephanie gets up and goes to work and the kids are doing their thing and I can just, I can lay there in bed for as long as I can stand it, for the most part. I almost never have anything to do on Monday and if I do have an appointment on Monday, there's a really good chance that I'm going to miss it. Like our strategic planning meeting we had on this last Monday that just went right over my head. Paul tells us that the night is far gone. The day is at hand. We, the people of God, live in a bifurcated world. We live in a now and a not yet. We live now. We live now as in the flesh, as sinners, casualties of this broken and fallen world. It is only by the empowerment of our baptism into Christ that keeps us afloat. Only in the life-giving breath that keeps us on the straight and narrow, the night is figurative for, for this dark and evil present age. That darkness is metaphorical for all of the sin and the disobedience that infects our lives and our society. Wake up, says Paul. The day is coming. The heavenly age inaugurated by the return of Christ is about to break upon the world. It is coming. It is nearer now than it was yesterday. The dawn of that glorious morning is closer than it has ever been. It is likely the first early morning rays shine over a distant horizon. We can see it coming, but it's not quite here and until it comes we're faced with a choice how do we live how should we conduct ourselves will we keep late hours are we going to take advantage of the cover of night where things are done in secret where sin and carnal acts are hidden from one another Sin is a dangerous thing. We know and we confess our sinful nature, but if we falter, if we embrace the sin, if we learn, yearn for it, if we cultivate it, if we wallow in it, consider yourself warned. You may find that you have difficulty getting up in the morning. Paul implores you, get up. Get up out of bed, shake off the night, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us... Put on the armor of light, says Paul. There's a subtle threat here. If we cannot rouse ourselves, if we cannot get out of bed, if we cannot don the armor of God, when the day breaks upon us, we'll find ourselves still in bed. You might know that Paul doesn't take anything about, about the, the bedclothes. He doesn't say anything about taking the bedclothes off because that's not simply the way the spirit of life works. It's a metaphor. There are no bedclothes. We will either be found at the coming of the dawn clothed in the righteousness of Christ or we'll be found in the nakedness of night. It's time to suit up, says Paul. Let us, let us behave decently like we do in the daytime. Even though the world is darkened by sin, let us live as if it is already daytime. Let us shun the things of the night. Let us fight against the wolves of intemperance. Let us rally against the crocodiles of intoxication and slavery. And let us clash openly with Satan, that ancient of servant. Stand against evil, openly talk about it and call it out where it is. Dear God, let us be found clothed. When that great dawn breaks upon the horizon, our Lord comes. He is near. He's nearer than he has ever been. Let us not lay in bed all morning as if we have nothing to do. Let us lay in ask like we have nothing to offer. We do. You do. Each one of you has a part to play in the body of Christ. Each one of you has a part to play in this congregation. You have specific talents and abilities and gifts and what you do with those is up to you. Sometimes we can run a church with as few as ten to fifteen people intimately involved, but it's not very fair. And it's not very fun either. I hope you're given an opportunity to get involved in the coming year. If you're tired of waiting for somebody to ask you come and see me, or better yet, see the deaconess, she'll find all sorts of work for you to do. We need not stay in bed all morning, you see. It's your church. You deserve a place to, to place to serve a place to be involved. Your sins are forgiven. Your salvation in Christ has been assured. He defends you with the waters of baptism, feeds you with his body and blood. The dawn approaches. How will we live? Will we live honorably? Let us walk as if the day has already dawned, says Christ. Let us walk in the light of Christ, fully clothed in the armor of our Lord God. In Jesus' name. Amen.